2: A warm and probably hello, welcome to Buffy Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. Got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are gonna be joined by Andrew Cayley of Covers. Does a great job. Over there north of the border, taking a look at a little bit of everything, including the baseball betting board day in and day out. He's got his bet, flip, and pick of the day for Toronto Blue Jays games and so much more. So, going to talk a little bit about the American League East race. We're also going to be just taking a look at the board for Wednesday in general. So, going to have a nice chat there with Andrew. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side turtle on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something you like to call Touch them all. First things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at jrs 41 Keep in mind, let us Naming does not matter, so as per usual, we'll send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Do not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a fun day of baseball on Tuesday, so let's take a look back, at it. Tried to find some trends, and try to get to know these Seems a little bit better.
1: What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out.
2: The New York Yankees took a pair from the Boston Red Sox, and Covered the run line of both, by the way. Five to three, they were able to take game one for the Yankees in Game 1. They wind up going 4 of 12 with men in scoring position. Despite leaving 10 men on base, they were able to get to just the pitching in general of the Boston Red Sox as Santa Roque goes four innings, gives up two runs, was in danger throughout, and then Garrett Woodlock winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning. Josh Shaler gives up a run without recording it out, and it was up to Ensa Robles along Austin Davis to get the final five outs of that one, but they were unable to come through with regards to the bats as Christian Vasquez was able to get his fifth home run of the season they came off of Jordan Montgomery but Montgomery in his first start off of COVID-19, not great, not terrible, gives up three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Jonathan Luiziga gets a two-inning save, and Albert Trepadeo was able to hold things down in the fifth inning. Then in game two, the Yankees pitching really took hold. Two to zero, they were able to take down the Boston Red Sox, as Nathan Eovaldi gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Martin Perez, Adokazu Mota both give you a scoreless inning combined. But for the Red Sox, 0-6 with men in scoring position. They leave nine men on base as you wind up having the young guy for the Yankees, Luis Heal, give you four and two-thirds scoreless innings. He did wind up walking four, but Wani Peralta comes in for one-and-third innings scoreless and Chad Green able to close it out in the ninth. Speaking of scoreless, that's what the San Louis Cardinals were held to by the Milwaukee Brewers, 2-0. The Brewers get the job done as the man that should have his name said in an old English accent, in my opinion. Corbin Burns winds up giving you six scoreless things. Looked very solid. Only three strikeouts, but still was able to keep things down. And then Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Hader. I'll give you a scoreless setting for the Brewers. 3 of 15 with men in scoring position with 13 men stranded on base. Adam Wainwright was doing a good job of being able to evade danger. He gave up nine hits over the course of six innings with just those two runs. TJ McFarlane, Luis Garcia, along with Andrew Miller. I'll give you a scoreless setting, but just absolutely nothing doing for the St. Louis Cardinals with the bats. Not a lot doing for the Cincinnati Reds with the bats. They wind up losing to the Chicago Cubs by a kind of 2 to 1. And Kyle Hendricks leads the league and wins with 14, as he was great in this one. He gives up one solo home run over the course of six innings as that was a Nick Cassiano shot his 21st home run season. Rowan Wick along with Adam Morgan and Cody Hoyer wind up completing the final three innings as Wick and Morgan combined for an inning and Hoyer was able to give you two scoreless and for the Chicago Cubs Ian Hep was not apolice in this one. His 13th home run of the season. He goes deep off of Vladimir Gutierrez, who was pretty solid himself. Two runs in six and a third innings in Cincinnati is nothing to be ashamed of. Luis Sessa and Tony Santian both give you a scoreless inning, and Justin Wilson gave you the final two outs of that seventh inning. Another team that was held scoreless that'd be the Baltimore Orioles. This one's a little bit less of a shock. the Rays took it to him as you wind up having Drew Rasmussen give you four scoreless innings. From there, Adam Conley holds it down for an inning, and Chris Ellis was able to come in for four innings in long relief, punched out seven, looked really good, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, a pair of Nelson Cruz home runs gives him now 26 on the campaign, and Mike Zanino goes deep for his 26th home run season as John Means... Well, typically he means business in this one. It was funny business. He gives up seven runs, four of which were earned over the course of four innings. Tanner Scott goes two-thirds of an inning, and he gives up two runs in the process. You wind up having a run and an inning given up by Marcos DiPlan. It wound up being Tyler Wells to come in at the end of the game. He was able to give the team the final two outs, and then Connor Wade was able to give you one and two-thirds innings scoreless. But for the Orioles... Just absolutely nothing doing in this one. Absolutely nothing doing for the Miami Marlins. 2-0. The Atlanta Braves get it done as Austin Riley wound up having the big shot in this one in the ninth inning to provide a little bit of insurance. 26th home run of the season at Uscarinoa. His first start since May. You know what? It was a good one. Five and a third inning. scoreless. Tyler Madzik. Gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And then Luke Jackson, Chris Martin, along with Will Smith, all get jiggy with it. Squirrel innings out of them. And for the Miami Marlins, just nothing doing with the bats and. Waste, a really good San Diego Contra start. He gives up one run over the course of eight innings. Anthony Bender gives up that home run on the bullpen, but the Miami Marlins just could not get anything generated, so that was a little bit of a tough one for them. This was a tough one for the Detroit Tigers, who have been really playing some good baseball ever since the All-Star break. I think that they are now something like 19-11 in their last three games, but they wind up losing to the LA Angels by a count of 8-2 as it was a pair of home runs that was able to propel the Angels to victory, including a Joe Adele Grand Slam, his first of the campaign, and Kurt Suzuki gets his fourth. The home run for Suzuki and Adele both come off of Gerda Soto, who wound up having his ERA rise in this one as he won two-thirds of an inning, giving up six runs, five of which were earned and that was not necessarily terrific. And for Casey Mize, he's on a little bit of a innings restriction right now. He wound up jacking up his pitch count early, so only gave the team four innings, giving up two runs in the process. From there, Kyle Funkhauser, Joey Menez, Michael Fomer, Jose Cicerno. I'll give you a scoreless saying, and Ian Kroll got the final out of this one. But for the Detroit Tigers, not a lot doing on offense, as you wound up getting a relatively decent start out of Dylan Bundy. Two runs given up in four two-thirds innings. He'll take that from there, one and a third inning scoreless out of Austin Warren, Steve Ciszek, a scoreless inning, and Mike Myers completes the final two innings, and he was given the victory in this one. The Washington Nationals, they were giving their fans something to cheer about. Their second win in their last 14 games, 12-6, to a final for the Blue Jays, Alec Manoa got destroyed. He gave up seven runs, six of which were earned over the course of three innings. Taylor Sasito came out of the bullpen, gave up three runs in a third of an inning. Rafael Dolis was able to give you two us giving up a run in the process. Wound up having a scoreless inning out of Kirby Snead and Connor Overton was able to give you two scoreless innings. but Trent Thornton also gave up a run in an inning for the Blue Jays. They're currently going to be without George Springer for quite a while. We're going to be diving into this a little bit more once we wind up bringing on our good buddy Andrew Cabley of covers, but they were able to get a home run off the bat of ask Hernandez, 21st home run season and for Eric Fetty Wap, he gives up that home run, 3 runs a total over the course of 5 innings but gets a W, Andres Machado gives you 2 scoreless settings, Mason Thompson has not looked good recently, he gives up 3 runs 2 of which were earned and did not record an out, but Kyle Finnegan and Gabe Colobates were able to give you a scoreless setting and for the Washington Nationals, a pair of home runs in this one as you wind up having Yadiel Hernandez go deep, that was his 5th home run season and you wind up getting the 2nd home run this season out of the backup catcher in Riley Adams, so Nationals are able to finally get a win up on the board. A team that has been getting up Quite a few wins so far this season as the Houston Astros, but they wind up falling to the Kansas City Royals in what was seemingly a day of unders. 3-1 to one the final for the Houston Astros. Just not a lot doing with the bats as Framber Bervaldez gives up three runs in six and two-thirds innings. Pedro Bias was able to get the final four outs of the game, but for the Kansas City Royals, how about Daniel Lynch? Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. He's looked much better recently. His first couple starts were very shaky, but has now given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last six starts. And then from there, you wind up having Josh Samount, a H- Jake Prence both give you a scoreless hanging for the Kansas City Royals. They go just one of seven with men in scoring position, but they were able to do just enough to be able to get the job done over the Houston Astros, who have been very streaky this year to say the least. The New York Post of the Day was the Oakland A's and well, I did not wind up having in my handicapped Chris Bassett getting hit in the face with the baseball. It wouldn't have mattered anyway if he would have given you like eight innings and one run because one run is more than what the Oakland A's got. 9-0 the final for Renaldo Lopez. He winds up being able to give the team five innings. His longest outing of the year. Went scoreless there. Ryan Burr gives you two scoreless innings, And then you wind up getting two scoreless out of Mike Wright. As for the White Sox, you wind up getting a pair of home runs. Jose Abreu winds up getting his 25th home run season. And then Jake Lamb. Guzzi for his success. It was Birch Smith who wound up coming in in long relief and emergency long relief for Bassett. Nothing other than thoughts and prayers for him. He wound up giving up three runs in an inning. He was out there and, well, that's just a bad situation. Smith, he winds up giving up five runs over the course of three innings. Deolis Carrera along Lou Trevino and Mitch Moreland. Yes, position player Mitch Moreland. I'll give you a as saying if Jake Deakman comes in, he gives you in inning and he winds up giving up a run in the process but certainly hoping for nothing but the best out of Mr. Bassett but still a little bit of a painful loss. This was a really painful loss if you're a fan of the Philadelphia Phillies. They lost the Arizona Diamondbacks by a kind of 3-2 to two for Kyle Gibson. He gives up a home run. Three runs in total over the course of six innings going deep for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Josh Van Meter his fourth home run the season and for Taylor Widener a very good start. He gives up one run over the course of five innings. That was a solo home run. Tyler Clifford would give up a run in the ninth inning but it was enough for the lead to be able to hold. You wind up having J.B. Wendelkin, coupled with Miguel Aguiar, give you a combined two scoreless settings. And Taylor Clark gives you a scoreless setting for the Philadelphia Phillies. You did wind up having J.D. Hammer give Hammer time as it was two scoreless settings out of him. And Bryce Harper, his 22nd home run of the season in this one, his 19th solo shot has really been what has been a bugaboo for the Philadelphia Phillies all season long. A bugaboo for the San Diego Padres is not being able to knock off the Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've got a losing record against both. And for the Colorado Rockies, they've got the second best home record in the big leagues. 7-3. They take down the Padres. Odoman Marquez. Six and a third innings. He gives up three runs. And then from there, Ulysse seen One and two thirds innings. scoreless. and Carlos Deceves. A scoreless inning for the Colorado Rockies. A pair of home runs in this one. CJ Crohn, 21st home run season. And Charlie Blackman is ninth. For Blackman. Out of his nine home runs, eight have come at Coors Field for C.J. Cron. Out of his twenty-one home runs, seventeen have come at Coors. And for Matt Stram, it was not a long start. He was pretty much an opener de jour for the Padres. He winds up going one in the third innings, giving up one run. From there, Reese Noir winds up coming in for two and a third innings, giving up two runs. Miguel Diaz gives up two runs in an inning. Tim Hill gives up two runs in an inning. Mark at a scoreless inning. And Pierce Johnson one in a third inning scoreless. But the Padres, who have used their bullpen for the most innings of any team in the league, you can tell that they're starting to get taxed. And for Marquez, all three of the runs that he gave up were solo home runs. Jake Cronenworth, 18th home run season, Fernando Tatis Jr. is 34th, and Tommy Pham is 13th. So, a very strange game to say the least. What is not strange, the San Francisco Giants, all they do is win, ladies and gentlemen. They have now won 11 out of their last 14 games, 3-2 the final. They take down the Metropolitans as Marcus Stroman winds up giving up three runs over the course of seven innings, including a pair of home runs going deep for the San Francisco Giants. Welcome back, Evan Longoria's 10th home run season and welcome back Tommy LaSalle, his 2nd home run season and for Logan Webb, his 11th straight start giving up 2 runs or fewer. seven and 3rd innings, he gives up 2 runs now. He did allow a home run in the process to Mr. Pete Alonso's 26th home run season but past that nothing doing for the Mets as Aaron Loop was able to give a scoreless inning out of the bullpen for the Metropolitans and then you wind up having Jarlon Garcia and Tony Watson both give you a pair of outs out of the Giants bullpen and Dominique Leon was able to come in for the final out to be able to get the job done for the still atop of the big leagues in terms of record, San Francisco Giants. The Seattle Mariners are looking to stay relevant in the American League playoff race, and they got done what they needed to. A win over the Texas Rangers by a count of 3-1, to one, and for Tyler Anderson, he has made three out of his last four starts against the Rangers, and all been relatively solid. He gives up one run over the course of six innings here, and for the Texas Rangers, they're averaging two and a half runs since the all-star break per game. It's just absolutely insane. Drew's second writer, Diego Castillo, Paul sewell I'll give you a scoreless inning, and lose. Bruce Torrens was able to get his 14th home run in the ninth inning to provide a little bit of cushion. That was off of Brett Martin as Martin goes one and a third innings, giving up that solo shot. Josh Shorbich was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Dan Santana, to score sand for Taylor Hearn, he was given the start a little bit unexpectedly. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Not so bad there. Andy Ibanez was able to get his fifth home run season, but for the Texas Rangers, once again, not a lot doing with the bats. For the Minnesota Twins, not a lot doing with the bats on Tuesday. Three to one, the Cleveland Indians were able to get the win as it was a little bit of an unexpected source of power, in Daniel Johnson that helped out the Indians. His third home run season. That White's coming off of Bailey Ober didn't have a bad start in this one. He does give up three runs over the course of six innings, but. Only two of them were earned as Andralton Simmons and Miguel Tenoa. Both wound up having errors behind him. Nick Vincent gave the team two scoreless settings and you wind up getting a scoreless setting out of Mr. Ralph Garza, but for the Cleveland Indians, it was really a nice start here from Eli Morgan, who's all of a sudden putting it together. Six scoreless settings. This is a man that has now given up three runs or fewer and now five out of his last six starts. Brian Shaw, along with James Karinchek, Emmanuel Classe. I'll give you a scoreless setting for Trevor Stevenson. Not necessarily so great. He does give up the lone run of the this game, he came in to face three batters and he gave out three walks. So you left a little bit of something to be desired there, but the Dodgers did not leave anything to be desired as they took down the Pittsburgh Pirates as the Dodgers. I believe have now won eight out of their last nine games. And for one, William crow Wasn't a great start, wasn't a terrible one. Would have liked a little bit more length, giving up two runs over the course of four innings. And then Cody Ponce does what Cody Ponce does, gives up runs, giving up two runs over the course of two innings. But Jason Treve, David Bernard, they were able to stem the tide. If you had the under in this one, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, just not a lot doing in this one. Leading up to the ninth inning, they had yet to get a hit with men in squaring position. And for the Dodgers, three and six with men in squaring position, so that wasn't too terrific. But David Price goes four and two thirds innings, giving up two runs. Dodgers, by the way, were three and six in David Price starts prior to this one. Corey Knable, one and third inning scoreless. Phil Bickford, along with Blake Tryon, and Kenley Jansen from there, able to get the job done. So if you're looking at Major League Baseball over the last three days, it has been full of quite a few unders as we've had 198 unders and 183 overs. So nearly 52% of games have one under over the last three days and favorites, they are dominating. 243 and 154 that is about a 61.2 percent clip home teams in that time span 217 and 182. If you're looking on a little bit of a smaller scale the last seven days Unders are 47 and 45, so a little bit under 51% of games have went under favorites in that time span, 61 and 35, so they're continuing to dominate it. If you're looking at Major League Baseball for the season, really ever since that off first two slash three weeks of the season, favorites have been very good. 1,054 and 719, so right around 59 and a half percent of games have went to favorites. Home teams overall, 983 and 806, that's nearly 55%, and overall Overs have a slight lead over unders for the year at 8.58 and 8.53. So that's what we all saw in Major League Baseball on Tuesday. And that's what we're all seeing in general when it comes to trends. And a man that does a great job of being able to look at baseball, that'd be Andrew Kaley of Covers. Coming up next, we're going to be chatting with him a little bit about the American League East race and looking at the betting board for Wednesday. That's right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Craig Peterson.
1: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network hotline.
2: And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is always great to be joined by this guest as he does a terrific job over there at Covers. He does a wide variety of things over there at Covers. Obviously, with him coming on the podcast, does a great job with baseball. Looks at the board day in and day out. Also does a nice job when it comes to everything on the links with golf. And he is a man that is starting to get into football as We do have NFL preseason going on. It's hard to believe that we have made it this far, but Andrew covers a little bit of everything and does so very well. You're able to follow him on Twitter. at covers underscore Kaylee, and that last name is spelled C-A-L-E-Y. And Andrew, it is always great to have you board. Thank you. Thanks
0: for having me back, Greg. I'm excited to talk some baseball as we get down to this postseason run here.
2: It's going to be really great. And your team, the Toronto Blue Jays, as you're a man that you're joining me out there from the great country of Canada. They're currently in the nation's capital of America. They're taking on the Washington Nationals as it looks like it's going to be Jose Barrios, who's going to be on the mound for Wednesday. And I really think that this is a big acquisition for the Toronto Blue Jays and one that they really needed because we knew that the offense was going to come around, especially with George Springer getting healthy, and that's exactly what happens, but... I really think that if the Blue Jays want to be able to make the postseason, they really need to win the starts of Mr. Brios and then also need to win the starts of Hunjin Ryu because these are really the two aces for the team. I do feel like Robbie Ray and company have been a little bit better, but I really think that they need to be winning these games of their front two starters and then from there, just try to split the rest of the games. Yeah, you just you can't afford to give away games
0: like this. Washington has pretty much put up the white flag for this season. They're throwing out basically a Triple A squad out there right? right now excluding Juan Soto of course saw a stat today that there's four players with more than four home runs in the Nationals lineup the Jays have five players in their lineup with more than 20 home runs and it's been tough as a Blue Jays fan I was very happy with the Barrios acquisition because obviously anyone who watches the Blue Jays knows that the bullpen has been tough to watch despite the numbers being pretty good overall in games that have been close they have come up short time and time again while they didn't go out and get a big arm like a Craig Kimbrel or something like that going out and getting a Barrios to come in and be an impact starter that lightens the load then on the bullpen and they're coming back after a bit of a disappointing West Coast road trip but like I said you can't be giving away these games they're still four games back of the East the only two teams with a better run differential than them right now in the American League is the White Sox and the Astros which is upsetting if you're a Jays fan and you're looking you see that what they're doing out there but I'll break it down for you they're basically beating up on bad teams and then losing close games to good teams which has been tough but that's why you get guys like Barrios. Unfortunately, just as we're coming on, Charlie Montoyo came out and has said George Springer is going back on the IL and he has no timetable for his recovery. They're calling it a knee sprain, which is not great because I believe they're winning something like 63% of their games when he has played this season. There's a reason that they paid him all that money, and it'll be tough for them. I think the division's a little out of reach for the Jays at this point. Eight games back, that'd be quite the run. They'll need him back, or they'll need to at least somehow find way to fight through this injury to crack down the Red Sox and the Oakland A's for one of those wildcard spots.
2: Yeah, I do think that the wild card race is really where you need to be looking if you're a fan of pretty much any team outside the Tampa Bay Rays in the AL East, <laughs> whether that be the Red Sox, whether that be the Yankees, whether that be the Blue Jays, because the Rays have been in thorough control of everything, and they get the Baltimore Orioles on Wednesday, and it looks like the Tampa Bay Rays are to be determined with regards to their starter But I'm right now seeing an initial line at DraftKings with a do be determined starter of the race at minus three thirty five. Because Spencer Watkins has been just that bad, but. I really do take a look at the Rays, and I think that there's a good chance that they could be able to win the entire American League. I think that the Astros have a little bit more firepower, but what I think is key with the Rays is that they're winning all these games despite the fact that they have been dealing with a lot of injuries when it comes to their bullpen. This is a team that is currently without J.P. Fireisen. They've been without Pete Fairbanks for quite a while as well, so they've been throwing out their guys like Adam Connolly, Chris Ellis, and they've still been able to get the job done. I really give credit to some of these younger starters like a Shane McClanahan who have come in and really stemmed the tide for this team. This team ranks fifth in scoring. They hit
0: home runs. They've taken in this analytics mentality and they've taken it to the next level. They rank seventh in home runs hit and are fifth in scoring, but they rank 22nd in batting average, but they always seem to get the hit when it matters the most. Grabbing Nelson Cruz was a huge get for them. He automatically becomes arguably their best hitter right away. And they just needed that kind of calming presence in that lineup, that veteran presence to protect some of the other guys there, and like the Randy or is and Emmanuel Margos, you can still get them out there to win the World Series at as high as eleven to one at some spots. And I've said this a few times when they were fourteen to one and sixteen to one, it's still good value right now. They're starting to pull away in the East. There's not much value in them to win the division anymore at minus two fifty. But now you can start turning your attention to them winning that American League pennant and once again. Like they're the defending American League champions and while the Astros might have a little more firepower in that offense that pitching rotation has its question marks and the bullpen in Houston is not great the White Sox have a great offense obviously but they're getting a bit of an easy ride in that American League Central this year there's not many teams putting up much competition for them the Rays I still think have plenty of value when it comes to American League futures
2: and right now I am seeing as he projected sir on ESPN as Shane McClanahan, which would make a little bit more sense worth the minus 335 wouldn't necessarily be Setting it that high personally, that's a <laughs> lot to lay as I still remember on Monday. We want him seeing the Dodgers at minus 380 with a two B determined starter and very nearly lost that game. So you always want to be a little bit cautious there, as we do have Andrew Cayley up covers joining me on the podcast. And we were talking a little bit earlier about that wild card and American League East race. And ironically enough, two teams are squarely in it New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox are going to be doing battle. And as I'm seeing it right now, it's a pick game between these two for Wednesday. Nick Bavetta, Andrew Heaney, minus 110 on both sides. You take a look at Andrew Heaney, and he is giving up the deep ball. It has not been great. And for Nick Pavetta, he has been far from terrific himself. But the one thing I will say for Nick Pavetta is is actually pitched much better when he's been away from Fenway rather than when he's been at home. Fenway, as we know very much hitter friendly and has not been able to adjust too much with that. And I think that there might be a little bit of value here with the Red Sox. I recognize that they have been struggling, but if there's one team that they've really owned all year long, it's the New York Yankees. And frankly, when you take a look at the division, almost everyone in the American League East has owned the Yankees and they've done well (laughs) against everyone else, which I find to be a little bit ironic but I take a look at this spot and I'm not necessarily fond of Nick Bavetta but at the same <laughs> time I feel like I'm less fond of Andrew Heaney I'm not fond of either of them so
0: I'm going to be looking at the over first five in this I game <laughs> yeah just well we watched Heaney in that Field of Dreams game and he just put ball after ball in that cornfield the Yankees are getting their starters back they are starting to get healthy again but until they are not forced to hand him the ball once through the rotation right now you have to jump all over that he's just finding way too much of the plate right now and a team like the Red Sox who is a very good hitting team they're going to take advantage of that I think and while you said Nick Pavetta has been a little better lately he's had two good back-to-back starts against the Blue Jays and the Orios. the Oreos of course are in quite the slump right now but the thing about this Yankees game is that Yankee Stadium is a bit of a hitter friendly ballpark as well Joey Gallo already knows that a couple of fly balls can get out of there pretty easily and Vetta actually hasn't faced the Yankees yet this season which is kind of interesting considering how many times they've played and maybe but this new version the Yankees will be able to get to him. Betta has had his issues as well I like the over here
2: and seemingly from now until the end of the year the Red Sox and the Yankees will be playing themselves about 57 times so <laughs> that is going to be very fascinating as well and what else I find to be very fascinating is the National League East race as well because you've got the Philadelphia Phillies and- they are really getting into the part of the schedule in which they need to be able to get some wins as Wednesday is going to be the Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks right now have a 2 be determined starter. And Rangers Suarez is going to be going for the Phillies. And I do think that Suarez is a little bit of an interesting guy in that with Suarez, he has been able to do a tremendous job this year. He just hasn't necessarily given a lot of length. They're trying to stretch him out as a starter. as right around a 1-ish ERA. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, well, it's just not necessarily going well, and I think that this is actually the perfect time to be trying to give Suarez a little bit more length because he is going to be going up against such a lackadaisical lineup. You were throwing out there that set of the Washington Nationals having so few home runs in their lineup. Right now, the Arizona Diamondbacks have one guy with the double-digit amount of home runs in their lineup, that's Josh <laughs> Rojas, who has been in and out of the fold. So I think that this is a golden time for the Philadelphia Phillies for one, to be able to get a win, and two, perhaps get Suarez a little bit more length. So that way, moving forward, he might be able to give the team five, six good innings towards back half the season. They don't have to rely upon, upon this bullpen that has been really bad as much down the stretch. Really bad. And that's probably why I'm seeing an eight and a half on the board for this one.
0: Even with the ineptitude of the Diamondbacks offense, I'd probably still lean over in this game. All they'll need is a couple of runs. Ranger Suarez, great name, by the way. That's a Hall of Fame baseball name right there. But you mentioned it. that bullpen in Philadelphia. And while they try to stretch him out, he might not be just there yet. So that means more innings for that bullpen which uh, looks like a sieve, some would say.
2: Yeah, it has been a really bad bullpen, as we do have Andrew Kaley joining me on the podcast. We do have a full slate of baseball for Wednesday. Every team is going to be in action. We've talked about some of the more marquee games. Is there anything else that's really standing out to you, whether it be from maybe like a futures, maybe some bets for a upcoming series perspective or something that you're going to be looking to bet on for Wednesday I'm
0: looking at an interesting pitching matchup between Freddie Peralta and Jack Flaherty Brewers and Cardinals Flaherty looked pretty good and his first start back I really like the way he looked last time out Peralta still with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff in Milwaukee Peralta can kind of be the guy that gets overlooked a bit but he's been fantastic this year he earned that All-star Berth, he deserves that 100%. And I really like pitching to dominate early. The Brewers, while good, they're still not a great team to hit for average. And same goes for the Cardinals, particularly when they face right-handed pitching. They just struggle against right-handers. And Peralta has been one of the best in the National League. So I'd probably look at the under first five in that matchup. Another thing I like, Lance Lynn's back on the mound as the White Sox visit the Oakland A's. Lance Lynn has been one of the most profitable first five bets In baseball this year, I believe the White Sox have won 14 of his, I want to say, 20 starts this year. So 14-3-3 or something like that in the first five money line for Lance Lynn. So I tend to jump on that, even against a team like the A's here.
2: Yeah, and with Lance Lynn, he's got his two ERA at home. He has really been absolutely magnificent when it comes to his work in Chicago. And in my opinion, has some value when it comes to the Cy Young Award as well, going up against a guy in Cole Irvin that has done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. But certainly not getting these sort of strikeouts that Mr. Lance Lynn is getting As <laughs> Strikeouts for nine rate at home is right around 11 and a man that always does a great job of striking out the competition because he always is bringing his A-game. That'd be you, Andrew. You do an absolutely terrific job day in and day out looking at the Major League Baseball card. But beyond that, you do a great job when it comes to looking at golf. I know you're getting geared up for all forms of football as well. So. Let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media, just everything that you've got going on in general as well. You
0: can follow me on Twitter at covers underscore Kaylee, where you can see me post my Blue Jays bat flipping pick of the day every day and complain about it half the time. <laughs> I'll be thinking hard about this George Springer situation going forward for the next couple days, but you can also check out my college football betting previews. I have my favorite win totals, ATS plays, over under plays for the Power Five conferences. I believe I've done the Big Ten SEC, Big 12, and Pac-12 already, and I've got the ACC conference preview coming up later this week, and that's something else you should just look at for.
2: Andrew doing a great job covering a little bit of everything. Football, before you know it, is going to be back in our lives, and he is getting set for that and does a great job day in and day out looking at all things baseball as well. So big thanks, to Andrew Kaley, who covers for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next is that time to the podcast. I give you a signed turtle on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday and a little something I like to call, touch them all.
1: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand
2: fashion. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to be joined by Andrew Cayley. He does a terrific job over there at Covers. Time and time again, he decides to join me on this podcast, and every single time, he delivers great insights. So, a big thanks to him. Now it is that time the podcast to give you a signed total on every game, on the betting board, for this Wednesday, and a little something like call, touch them all.
1: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a sign and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at jernsquirty1, We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation, or this is where we go nationally games first. Then the American League games are going to be after that. And then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. So that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. And we are going to be beginning with that first nationally game. 951, 952 on the bang board. The Chicago Cubs hit the road faceoff against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they are on to Tyler Molly getting the start for them. Adrian Sampson is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. Right now, the only place where we're finding a line is at DraftKings and... The Reds are minus 265 favorites, plus 215 for the Cubs. And your total on this game is 9.5 over his use of minus 115 and the under is minus 105. My goodness, the fact that Adrian Sampson is getting a start here is just comically bad for the game of baseball. I still remember when he was out there with the KBO and he was a fade for the Lotte Giants. I mean, if he wasn't able to get the job done for the Lotte Giants, what makes us think that he's going to be able to do a good job with the Cubs? He has spent the year at AAA Iowa for them. 4 and 5 record, 496 ERA, not necessarily in a juice ball league or anything like that. 2.1 home runs and 3.6 walks per 9 innings. We go with 6 ass strikeouts right per 9 while he was with Lote. He wasn't a whole lot better in the KBO last year. Went 9 and 12 with a 540 ERA. This guy is just absolutely. Not belonging on a major league mount, and over the last three years between the majors, along with KBO and Triple he has given up at least sentence per nine innings in all three of them. So it is not good. Meanwhile, you take a look at Tyler Molly. What's not good is the way that he's actually pitched at home. On the road, this guy has been a machine. He's got right around a two-ish ERA. And overall for the year, ten and three record. 358 ERA, but you take a look at what he's done in Cincinnati. That's a 574 ERA that he has now. 3 2 record, but has given up 15 home runs in 58 innings. Now the good news for him as well is that he's facing off against a Cubs team that they want him selling off darn near everyone. With Wilson Contreras currently dealing with injury, you've right now got not a lot of guys who are contributing for you. Now Frank Schwindel and Rafael Ortega have above 300 batting averages but both of these guys have a relatively small sample size but then you take a look at it. You've got Austin Romine, Andrew Romine, David Bodie, Jason Award, Ian App all hitting a 230 or lower for this bunch Patrick Wisdom as may will give you 18 home runs so far this year but since the beginning of the month, of August. He's cooled down with just two. And then you take a look at the Reds. You've got Nick Cassianis along Jesse Winker. A pair of guys hitting above a 3 and Winker has been in and out of the fold a little bit recently, but you do still have even past that. Tucker Barnard along with Tyler Stevenson. A pair of guys hitting north of a 270 at the catcher spot. And for Stevenson, 375 on base. He has been incredible as a rookie. You've got Mike Busakis back at the fold. It's been a little bit rough going for him this year, but small sample size there. Jonathan India, a 4 on base. And for the Cubs, they wound up trading away everything that they wanted having in that stellar bullpen. Now, instead of Craig or Ryan Tepera, and these guys, you now have to rely upon Jake Jewell, Ryan Messenger, Manuel Rodriguez, Michael Rucker. And for the Reds, it's not like the bullpen is incredible, but you get Lucas Sims off the injured list. Luis Sessa has been able to give you a little bit of something. Michael Givens has given you a couple good innings. Brad Rock is currently on the injured list, but you reinstate Michael Lorenzen as well. I take a look in this one, and much like has been happening ever since the trade deadline, I think that the Chicago Cubs are going to get dump truck going into yesterday. Ever since they wound up throwing that combined no-hitter, Cubs were 10-35 and 35 in their last four Forty-five games. I wound up saying the Reds more on a minus 280-ish favorite on the run line. I'm willing to lay a pretty hefty amount. I'm willing to lay like a minus 150 in this spot. Right now, DraftKings, I'm seeing that as minus 125. I think that that's a little bit of a typo, but certainly going to be willing to go with the run line. Also wound up saying this all at 10.8, so looking at and over a lot of that Reds run line. 953-954 is my New York post play of the day as we've got the San Diego Padres in the road face off against the Colorado Rockies. Chichi Gonzalez going to be going for the Rockies. Jake Arrieta is going to be going at it for the Pirates in the absolute opposite of a marquee pitching matchup as right now we're seeing this line at both BetOnline and DraftKings and we're seeing very conflicting lines right now with the Rockies. You're seeing them at minus 107 at BetOnline, minus 103 on the Padres at DraftKings minus 145 on the Padres, plus 125 on the Rockies. Total is anywhere between 13 and 14 on the 13 overs 120, and the under is even on the 14 over and under are both at minus 110. I'm going to be probably looking at a 13 slash a 13 and a half over, as I want to say, so at 13.7, which is by far the highest total that I've said all year, and I've got the Rockies as right around a minus 140 favorite. Going into yesterday, the Colorado Rockies have the second best home record in the big leagues, and they've actually got a winning record against the San Diego Padres, the Padres shockingly have a losing record right now against both the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies now with Chichi Gonzalez. He has been far from terrific so far this year. He's got right around a 6-ish ERA, but I will say at home, he's given up right around 2.25 walks per nine and innings and 0.8 home runs per nine. You take a look at Jake Arrieta, and oh my goodness, it's not just bad with him. It is like cataclysmically awful. The fact that he is being allowed to take a major league mound right now is just absolutely pathetic. Jake Arrieta, 5-11 record at a 688 ERA. He is giving up 2.2 home runs and 4.1 walks per 9 innings. Opponents are in a 3.15 off of him. He's allowed 15 home runs in 52 innings away from Wrigley Field so far this year. And you take a look at Jake Arrieta. Opponents are in a 3.97 off of him with 10 home runs in 28 and a third innings with 3.2 home runs surrendered per 9 innings in his last 8 starts. The Cubs wound up losing all of those. I mean, it has been so bad for him. Then you take a look the Colorado Rockies. This is a team that at home they are hitting right around a 280 as a collective. That is the best out there in the big leagues. Now on the road, they have the worst batting average of any team out there in the big leagues as well, so that is certainly something that you want to take note of, but this is a Colorado Rockies team that you are able to get a little bit of power from. CJ Crone has hit 15 out of his 20 home runs so far this year at Coors Field. Ryan McMahon has went deep 18 times. Most of those have been at home. Trevor Story's home runs have mostly been at home as well. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres and having Fernando Tatis Jr. out there certainly helps. 33 home runs, 23 stolen bases. He's hitting a 3 and that's unlimited at-bats as well. Adam Frazier's hitting a 315 for this bunch. Got a trio of guys in between a 275 and a 285. Jake Cronenworth, Eric Cosmer, Manny Machado and for the Padres, the bullpen by and large has been relatively solid, but they had a good him a start yesterday, so they wound up having to use up that bullpen. Now, guys like Nisbel, Matt Austin Adams, Craig Salmon, they're able to give you multiple innings and they've been solid. And for the Colorado Rockies, you least just seen has actually been halfway decent coming out of the bullpen for this team. That's been a little bit of a surprise. Daniel Bart has been able to give you some good innings, but this is just purely a fate of Jake Arietta. Going to be looking at the Rockies on the money line, especially if they keep giving me this plus 125 like I'm seeing at DraftKings. I want to saying the Rockies were on like a minus 130-ish favorite just because I don't think that Jake Arrieta belongs on a major league mound right now. And I set this hold at 13.7. So if we wind up getting more 13s, so I'm going to be taking that over. And the New York Post play of the day is the Rockies on the money line. 955-956 on the banking board. The San Francisco Giants are going to be playing us to the New York Metropolitans. Tyler McGill is going to be going for the Metropolitans. Anthony D Scalfani is going to be on the bump for the Giants. Giants are finding themselves as big favorites anywhere between minus 143 and minus 170. So, another game with a very unique range. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price here with the Mets, you're going to be getting that anywhere between plus 132 and plus 150 in half of your total. Over as anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, under between even and minus 105. The Giants just continue to roll. They've maintained the best record in the big leagues for a very long time, and if you take out the starts that Anthony DeSclafani Scalfani has had against the Dodgers because the Dodgers have just had had his number he's got a sub 2 era for the year He has given up right around 1.15 home runs per nine innings, so he's done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Now, at home, he's been a little bit worse than on the road, but a lot of those home starts have come against the San Francisco Giants, and at home, he's given up three home runs and 12 walks over the course of 47 and two-thirds innings, so he's been able to do a nice job of holding it down there. And for Tyler McGill, he wound up having a five-start streak in which I believe that he wound up giving up two runs in that span. Ever since then, things have really regressed for him. He has now given up at least three runs in each out of his last three restarts now the competition has been up and down he wound up going on the road against the Phillies the Miami Marlins who stink and then the LA Dodgers so a little bit interesting there he's only given up two walks over his last three starts and only four walks in his last five so he's doing a good job of be able to control that but at the same time you can tell that there was going to be a little bit of regression coming in and it certainly has and then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants lineup and it is just full of mashers how about Lamonte Wade Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Mike Ushermski. All between 15 and 19 home runs. Chris Bryant, he now has 21 for the year. You've just got balance power up and down the boulevard for this team. They've got Tommy Lascellos back. He's hitting only for one home run so far this year, but a very small sample size. He has spent much of the year injured. Evan Longoria is back as well. He's the guy that's giving you a home run every about 17 or so at-bats. He's hitting at 280. And then with the Mets, Pete Alonso is doing a nice job of being able to supply the boom. 25 home runs so far this year. He's hitting at 250. The only other guy in the starting lineup with the double-digit amount of homers yesterday was Jonathan VR. 14 home runs. He's hitting a 250 along with Pete Alonso. You've got Jeff McNeil more around a 255. You've got guys like Tom Cedo, James McCann at the catcher spot hitting right around a 240. And J.D. Davis has been a little above a 300. Brandon Nimmo has been able to give you a little bit of something but this is a Mets offense that is in the bottom 5 in the big leagues now. Bullpen has been relatively solid but Aaron Loop right now is an ERA that is hovering right around a 115. There's no way that that's going to to last... Jake Reed is someone that they're currently relying upon for long relief. Miguel Castro seeing a little bit of regression along Jersech Familia. Meanwhile, with the San Francisco Giants team, the bullpen has been lights out. Dominique Leone is giving you some good innings along Zach Liddell. Tyler Rogers has been a little bit up and down and they're kicking the tires on Tyler Chatwood to be able to give them a little bit of something, but Jose Alvarez has been able to do a good job along Jarlon Garcia. I think that the San Francisco Giants should continue to roll if you're looking at their run line. I'm finding that right around a plus 122, even as high as a plus 130, sign me up for that. When it came to the Giants run line, I was willing to take it as long as I was getting north of about a plus 110, so certainly going to be all aboard that. Also wound up saying this only 8.3, as I think that D. is going to be able to hold down this best offense that hasn't been able to get out of their own way. So, taking the under, along with the Giants on the run line. 957-958 on the bank board. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing with the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos. Asus Lizardo is going to be on the bump for Miami. Total anywhere between 7.5 and 8 on the 7.5 over is minus 115. The under- under is minus 105 on the 8 over and under both at minus 110 with the Braves. They are anywhere between minus 180 and minus 189 favorites. Meanwhile for the Fish, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 174. I was saying the Marlins more around about a plus 140 in this spot, so I see some good value with Asus Lizardo. It's certainly been a trying year for him. He's got really good stuff. He just hasn't necessarily been able to put it together and for Charlie Morton, he has been better on the road than he has been at home. You take a look at Charlie Morton 381 OMERA, 309 nine. Road ERA and 10 starts on the road. He's given up three home runs of 58 in the third innings, and as we know, Miami, pretty much the most pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in the league. It is the ballpark that has surrendered the fewest home runs and just total runs in general. Out there in baseball, bonus ring a buck 96 off of Morton, and then you take a look at Mr. Lazardo. He has made a trio of starts now for the Miami Marlins, has given up three-plus runs, and in each out of those three, but I think that being in Miami is going to be able to help them out a little bit more, and hey, the team is actually 2-1 in his starts, and he is backed up by a bullpen that has been very solid. Anthony Bender has been able to give you some very good innings. Richard Blyer is a guy that has an ERA hovering right around 3-5. He's been able to control the hard contact after getting off to a little bit of a rough start to the year. Luis Madero is someone that they might be looking to in long relief. Stephen O'Curt has been able to give you some good innings, and for the Atlanta Braves, they've now got a few guys coming off the injured list, including an A.J. Minter, They've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Jesse Chavez. I like the way that he's been able to throw for this team. Edgar Santana has really shaped up after a rough start to begin the year. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. You do have quite a few guys that do a great job of just being able to supply offense in general. In the middle of that lineup, Freddie Freeman along with Austin Riley. Both hitting above a 290. Both of these guys north of 23 home runs so far this year. Dansby Swanson has been able to give you 20 plus bombs. He's hitting about a 265 along with Ozzie Albies. Adam Duvall, the former Miami Marlins, 27 home runs going into yesterday with right around 80 RBI. Doesn't necessarily hit for average, but has been able to do a nice job. And now you've got back in the fold Travis Arnault as well, which should be able to help this team out. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Miami Marlins. I bet not many people would have guessed that entering into the week, Asus Aguiar is leading the National League with regards to RBI, 20-plus home runs. He, Lewis Brinson, Miguel Rojas owing between about a 260 to a 275. Jesus Sanchez along with Brian Anderson are both hitting between a 245 and a 250. Brian De La Cruz is approaching a 300 as well, so got some guys out there in Miami that are able to do a solid job now. I do think that the Atlanta Braves should be a favorite and a little bit of a favorite here, but getting north of a plus 150 on the Miami Merlins, that is calling my name. I also wanted to say this all 8.4. I do think that more Morton is going to give up a little bit of our contact. I think that Lozardo is as well, so taking the over along with the Miami Marlins. nine fifty nine nine sixty on the banging board. The Milwaukee Brewers set the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Captain Jack Flaherty is going to be going for the guards. Meanwhile, Freddy Peralta is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Brewers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 111 and minus 115 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cardinals, as bad as a minus 104, as good as a plus 105 is what you're getting there. 7 is your total. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Under's anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105, set the total at 6.9, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and for Freddie Peralta, guy's been absolutely amazing all year long, getting right around 12 strikeouts per 9 innings, he has just went out there time and time again, and has been able to limit hard contact, giving up right around .75 home runs per 9 innings, you take a look at him on the road as well, it's a little bit worse than his home numbers, but still, a 2.60 ERA across 10 starts, he has given up 5 home runs in 52 innings, opponents are eating a buck 65 off of him, which is actually worse than at home as opponent's hearing a buck 23 off of him when he's in Milwaukee and then you take a look at Mr. Jack Flaherty you were wondering if there would be a little bit of rust coming off the injury list for him first start against the Kansas City Royals gives up two hits and no runs over the course of six innings this is a captain Jack Flaherty that we all know and love when he's been out there he's been absolutely amazing for this team 9-1 record 265 ERA there's no question in my mind that this guy's fully back buck 44 ERA for the year at home I do think that there's going to be a little bit of a drop off there because for one it was over a small sample size only four starts, but for two, just coming off the injured list, he might be a little bit more limited when it comes to the pitch count, and this is a St. Louis Cardinal scene that they've seen some struggles out of the bullpen from guys like Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, guys that have been relatively solid all year long. You've got Justin Miller just lighting games on fire. TJ McFarlane has right around 260 ERA. Not sure if that's going to be able to hold. Alex Reyes has been able to do a good job. I have faith in that, but I take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Jake Cousins along with Miguel Sanchez have stepped up for this bullpen. Brian Boxberger is giving you some good innings. We've obviously got Devin Williams and Josh Hader. And ever since the beginning of the month of June, the St. Louis Cardinals are in the bottom two of the National League when it comes to runs per game. The Milwaukee Brewers are playing right around 4.9 runs per game. Got a lot of guys that are doing a good job for you. Rowdy Tellez, Aviseo Garcia, Eduardo Escobar, William Damas. All these guys overall for the year throwing their Lorenzo Kane, hitting between a 255 and a 270. But Tellez, along with William Adames both hitting above a 290 ever since they got to Milwaukee and for a Double digit amount of home runs. I think that he deserves a little bit of MVP consideration personally. Eduardo Escobar, north of 20 home runs so far this year. Christian Yelich is still stuck on 6 home runs, but has a 375 on base. If he's able to turn it around, that's going to be big. Colt Wong is hitting a 280. Then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. You've been without Dylan Carlson for quite a while. Harrison Bader, along Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, only in between a 265 and a 275 for O'Neill along Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. All these guys, at least 19 home runs. Arenado leading the way with 25. Tommy Edmond along the out both hitting in that pocket of about a 255 and I will say Umanu Sosa in a 265 has been solved for the team, but I just take a look at the way that Freddie Peralta is pitching with Jack Flaherty coming off the injured list. I think that he's going to do a very good job, but I think that Peralta is going to be able to outduel him by just a little bit. So I wound up saying the Brewers has more roundabout a minus minus 125-ish favorite. so going to take a shot on them along with this little under. 961, 962 on the betting board. He filled off, he filled, he's a throw face faceoff against the Arizona Diamondbacks. He be determined is going to be going for the D-backs. Rangers Suarez is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies. So we've got no numbers up on this game, but we were talking about this a little bit with Andrew Cayley. With Rangers Suarez, he is a guy that's trying to build up his innings, has been really solid whenever he's been able to go out there for the Philadelphia Phillies as he's got right around a 1 ERA so far this year. That includes his starts and also his relief appearances. 50 and a third innings. He's given up 3 home runs. He's getting right around 9 strikeouts per 9 innings. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks we know that this is a bullpen that's really bad. Joe Manette tipley I believe is in COVID protocol right now and he's one of their best relievers. They wind up signing J.B. Wendelkin off the strat- crap heap from the Oakland A's. Brett Guy has a 7 ERA. You just got a lot of guys that should not be on a major league right now. Meanwhile, for the Philadelphia Phillies, it's not like their bullpen is amazing, but Bailey Falter is actually someone I do like for the team. J.D. Hammer has a 0.82 ERA in limited innings. Archie Bradley maybe able will give you a little bit of something. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. A lot of their home runs have been solo home runs, but they've been able to get the power going a little bit With Bryce Harper giving you 21 home runs, 400 on base. Now, 18 of those home runs have been solo shots, but Andrew McCutcheon, despite hitting just a 225 for this team, he has been able to hit 21 home runs, more like a 340 on base. Reese Hoskins being out of the fold hurts this team, as you've also got Brad Miller and Didi Gregorius hitting below a 225, but you've got Gene Segura hitting a 300. Ronald Torres, along J.T. Riomito hitting between a 265 and a 275, and Travis Janikowski's been able to give the team a little bit of something with the right around a 250 batting average. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Got one guy that right now has a double digit amount of home runs. That would be Josh Rojas. Hitting a 280 with 11 home runs has been in and out of the fold recently. Paven Smith has been able to give you a little bit with a 270 batting average. And Gital Marte of the Marte Parte is hitting a 350 for this team. So he's been relatively solid. Got a couple guys like Teva Peralta, Ezreal Cabrera, in between a 240 and 250. But this is a spot in which I anticipate myself having Rangers Juarez against. Like some sort of a bullpen game with Suarez being about a minus 160 favorite. This is a spot in which I'd probably be setting this all right around nine, depending on who winds up going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Might crank it up to a 9.5 or lower being to the un- over, but I'm going to be probably setting this as a 9 or lower being an over 9.5 or higher to the under. And like I said, the Phillies right around a minus 160 favor. But check back in the morning my Twitter feed, at since we need to know the plan of attack for Arizona before I can give you anything set in stone. We go to 963-964 with another to-be-determined starter in this one, as it is the LA Dodgers playing against the Pittsburgh Pirates. JT Brubaker is going to be going for the Pirates and Dodgers if be yet to settle on a starter. I would anticipate it being Mitch White and I have set numbers as if it is going to be Mr. Mitch White. If it's White versus Brubaker, setting the Pirates at plus 203, so Dodgers a minus 203 favorite. I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 125 on the run line with the Dodgers. I'd be setting the all at 8.4, so 8.5 or higher would we'll be taking a look at the under. 8 or lower would we'll be taking a look at the over. With White, he has made a couple starts and this would be on his normal rest with David Price going yesterday, so I do think that that might be the way that they wind up going, even if Mitch White is just a little bit of an opener to sure, because they've really been using him for like three, four innings, and his last start went four innings against the Philadelphia Phillies previous start, three and two-thirds against the Arizona Diamondbacks, gave up two runs in both of those, he wound up giving up home run in the process, but he's someone that he hasn't been great, he hasn't been terrible, he's someone that really just gets the job done, and then from there, you wind up throwing out there some of the guys of the Dodgers, like a Phil Bickford, who has been coming out of the bullpen time and time again Again, they have been able to get a little bit of something out of Corey Canable ever since he came off the injured list. I will say this for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Their bullpen has been relatively solid as well. Jason Shreve, Chris Ryan, these guys are able to give you some good innings along David Bernard. Anthony Benda was absolutely terrible he was with the New York Mets, but ever since he's come to Pittsburgh, has looked relatively okay with Baker. The record is a mess. 4-12 and record, 5-13 and ERA. Now, he has given up right around 2 home runs per 9 innings, which has been the main bugaboo because he's given up right around 2.5 walks per 9 innings, and and things really ballooned on him on the road. Six oh five ERA, one seven record, and eleven starts has allowed fifteen bombs, and opponents are hitting at two fifty nine off of him. But this is also a Pirate SEMA, which they've been able to get a little bit of something out of Brian Reynolds. He has been incredible for this team, hitting above a 21 home runs. Problem is, you only have one other guy in the starting lineup from yesterday with more than eight runs. That'd be Gregory Polanco and Polanco along with Rodolfo Castro. Yoshi Satsugo, who they picked up from the LA Dodgers. a Tom, you're able to throw in there. Michael Perez, Cole Tucker as well. All these guys that are in a 2.15 or lower. Now, they do get back... Ben Gamalas. He, along with Cabrian Ace, in between a 255 and a 265. Jacob Sullings has been able to give you right around 230 along with Kevin Newman. And then you take a look at the Dodgers and you've got a lot of guys who are able to match in this lineup. You've got Chris Taylor. Justin Turner down for what? Who's been dealing with a little bit of injury. Trey Turner down for what? Will Smith. All these guys between 14 and 20 home runs so far this year. Max Muncy wound up getting the day off yesterday but he's been able to supply him north of 20 home runs. Pretty much everyone that you're facing in the Dodgers lineup has a batting out that's north of 260, aside from Cody Bellinger who's had a really rough year, and Gavin Lux who's just coming off the injured list, so these guys have been relatively solid there, but I do think that if you wind up getting White versus Brubaker, he's going to do a solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Sometimes things can be a little bit more pitcher-friendly in LA during the night time, so I think that he might benefit from that a little bit, so like I said, if it does wind up being White versus Brubaker, setting the Dodgers at minus 203 on the money line, on the run line minus 125, and an 8 or lower, we'll be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher, we'll be taking to look at the under. We move on to yet another game with a to-be-determined starter, 965-966 on the banking board. The Minnesota Twins are going to be playing against the Cleveland Indians. Zach BliSak is going to be going for the Windians to be determined on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. For the Twins, it certainly has been an interesting year for them to say the least. We know that Griffin Jacks has been used in the starting rotation, and he's actually been a little bit better recently for them, so that has helped them out. Do you wind up giving a start to a guy like a John Gant? I'm not necessarily sure what the plan is going to be here. The Nick Vincent is someone that they picked up, but I mean, man, they don't have a lot of options, and the bullpen in general has been a mess for the team. When he was on the roster, Ori was doing a terrible job. Danny Colombe, after a really good start, he's regressed a little bit. Ralph Garza Jr., someone that they're giving innings to, and Edgar Garcia is right now north of a 10 ERA, so that yeah, is just an absolute disaster. Meanwhile, for Zach Vlisak, it's been a little bit of a disastrous year for him, but he has been able to shape things up a little bit more recently. Has given up two runs or fewer, and now two out of his last four starts. Now, he's given up at least a home run in each out of his last five starts. He has done a good job of being able to limit the walk, so about 1.7 walks per nine innings. The home runs per nine is more like a 1.7. And this is a guy that's not giving you many strikeouts. Right around 6.2 point two-ish strikeouts per 9 innings. So that's obviously a little bit of an issue. But with the Indians, even with James Karincheck regressing out of the bullpen, this is a team that they've been able to get the job done with that regard. You've got a guy in Brian Shaw that I do like. Trevor Steven has been a little bit up and down, but he seems to be pitching a tad bit better. Emmanuel Clase has been lights out towards back half the bullpen. Losing Nick Sandlin due to injury certainly hurts. But with the Cleveland Indians as well, you do have a couple guys are able to do a good job of be able to give you some bombs. Now, Framiel going into yesterday and get down to a home run in the month of August but this is a guy that has been able to do a solid job with the right around 20 home runs so far this year he and Jose Ramirez on their Bradley Summer as well in between a 250 and a 260 for the team Miles Straw amid Rosario both in between a 265 and a 280 got a couple guys that they just need to pick it up in general for the team Andres Jimenez, Yu Chang, Austin Edges, Daniel Johnson, These guys are hitting a 200 or lower for the team, but Ernie Clement has been able to give you a tad bit of something. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and got a lot of guys are hitting a 220 or lower for this team. Trevor Larnich, Max Kepler, Brent Rooker, Miguel Sano, and Ralton Simmons It has been tough sledding there. Now, I will say that with Miguel Sano right around 19 to 20 home runs so far this year, Luis Arias is hitting above 300 for this game, and Ore Polanco able to give you 21 home runs. He's hitting right around a 270. Josh Donaldson hitting like a 250-350 on base, 16 home runs, so he's been able to deliver a little bit of something. And Mitch Carver has been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs, but I take a look at this spot, and I do think that if it is the Minnesota Twins throwing out there either a bullpen game or a TBD starter. Probably would be setting the Cleveland Indians as a little bit of like a minus 130-ish favorite. And this is probably a spot in which, if it winds up being that, I'd be setting them total 9.5 or lower to the over 10 or higher to the under, but initial thoughts there, once again, need to know the plan of attack for Minnesota, so check back in the morning Twitter feed at JarenSquarty1 once we got a little bit more of some leaks out there. 967, 968 on the banking board. We've got the Boston Red Sox sitting the road face off against the New York Yankees. Andrew Heaney is going to be going for the Yankees. Nick Bavetta is going to be on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox find themselves as bad as minus 110, as good as plus 105. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Yankees, they're anywhere between minus 10 and minus 115. 10 is your total over and any anywhere one of five, minus 115 for Heaney. He has just been giving up bombs ever since he got traded to the New York Yankees. He gave up four home runs in his first start against the poopy Baltimore Orioles. That just cannot happen. He has overall given up right around two home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate that is hovering right around three. Now with Nick Pavetta, this is someone that's giving up just under four and a half walks per nine innings. So been a little bit tough there, but on the road, 5-3 three record, three oh nine ERA, and 11 starts, 64 total innings. He's given up five home runs on the road, and opponents are a buck 92 off of him, so he's been able to do a very solid job there. I do commend him, and very strange that this is going to be his first start against the Yankees, as Andrew Caley was pointing out, but you take a look at this Boston Red Sox lineup, and they have been able to do a very good job all season long. Rafael Devers in the top four of the league when it comes to RBI. Guy that's sitting right in the neighborhood of about a 280. He's been able to supply 29 home runs. you guys. J.D. Martinez, he's been able to give you right around 23 home runs. Guy that's hitting at 290 and you've got Xander Bogarts hitting above a 300, Alex Verdugo, right around 280. Then you're able to throw in there Christian Vasquez, Kike Hernandez, Hunter Renfro, all in between a 245 and a 255 Renfro, 20 plus home runs, and even Kevin Blocky, hitting right around 300 behind the dish. And then you've got the Yankees, who they are getting a little bit of something out of Joey Gallo. He has been able to give the team 29 home runs. He, along with Aaron Judge, both have an on-base that's hovering between a 360 and a 375 I've thrown there Giancarlo Sand as well, and for Sand, the power has not necessarily been there ever since the beginning of the month of July, but he was able to get on base for the team. DJ LeMayu has been able to hit right around 275 for this bunch. Luke Voigt hitting more like a 245, and the other way, has been able to give you a little bit of something, which is big, because guys like Kyle Ligashi, and company have been a little bit tough, and for the New York Yankees, this is a team of which they did use up quite a bit of their bullpen yesterday. Jonathan Luizga, Willie Peralta, they wind up coming out of a bullpen that, let's face it, it's been a little bit depleted. Lucas Lutke has been able to give you some good innings, but not necessarily a closer for the seam Chad Green, likely going to be getting those duties. And then for the Boston Red Sox, they used up Garrett Woodlock yesterday, but I do like what you're getting out of guys like Katakazu Sadamona with having back Chris Sale. Now you're able to put Garrett Richards into a long relief spot if needed as well. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Matt Barnes as well. So I do take a look at the Red Sox. And do I have a lot of faith here in Nick Bavetta? No, but I have a whole heck of a lot less faith here in Andrew Heaney. So I wound up saying the Red Sox has... About a minus 110-ish favorite. So I'm going to take a shot on them. Also set this all at 10.2 as I think that both of these starting pitchers are going to be giving up Rockets. So taking the over along with the Boston Red Sox. 969, 970 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing those to the Baltimore Orioles. Right now, the betting board has to be determined. I am seeing Shane McClanahan on ESPN going for the race. Spencer Watkins is going to be going for the Orioles. Right now, DraftKings has a line on this end. It's minus 335 with the race, plus 260 with the Orioles. Turtle of 8 with the over at minus 120 and the under at even. If you give me this line, I would be willing to take a shot here on the Baltimore Orioles. I wound up saying it as if it is Watkins versus McClanahan at plus 222 on the Baltimore Orioles. This is an Orioles team that... No doubt they are not a good team, and that's putting it very politely, but you do have some offense with this team. As Cedric Mullins, along Trey Boom Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle, who is fresh off the injured list, have all been able to give you between 19 and 22 home runs. With Mountcastle hitting about a 265, you've got Austin, the A's kid, Anthony Santander, you're able to throw in their Mancini as well. Only between a 240 and a 250, with Mullins sitting right around a 320 for this bunch. Ore Mateo, Pedro Severino, these guys have been hitting more around a 235 to a 245, and Austin A's has been hovering in that as well. But then you do have guys like Mikel Franco, DJ Stewart, Domingo Leiba, Austin awesome Wins. The list goes on and on. Ryan McKenna, guys that are hitting a 2.15 or lower for this bunch. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, the forte of the team is not necessarily batting average, but you've got a quadrant of guys that have been able to give you at least 20 home runs so far this year. Mike Zanino, Austin Meadows, Brandon Lau, and Nelson Cruz. And for Cruz, 345 on base, along with Randy Odoz orenos who got a 355 on base. He's been able to supply a 280 batting average. He's been able to do a good job of being able to go deep himself. I take a look at a guy like a Kevin Kiermaier hitting a 245. That's big for this team. Yandy Diaz and G Man Choi both have north of 350 on base percentages. And for Diaz along with Manuel Margot, both of these guys hitting in the pocket of about a 245 to a 255 along with Juan de Franco. Then you take a look at the race. Bullpen is a little bit depleted, but Lewis Head has really been able to step up for the team. He's got a sub 2 ERA. Andrew Kittrich has been able to give you some nice innings. You do have Adam Conley, who they're kicking the tires on. Not necessarily too fond of him, but JT Chargois has been good ever since coming over from Seattle and then with the Orioles. Dennis Scott and Cole Souls are really your two guys that you're able to rely upon. I will say Marcos Deplan. ever since he wound up getting called up to the big leagues, has been halfway decent for the team. I think that Tyler Wells might be able to give this team a couple innings as well, but certainly Spencer Watkins, not necessarily a guy that you want to be hitching your wagon to overly much, but in his last start against the Tampa Bay Rays, he did wind up looking halfway decent, so I think that that might have a little bit of carryover overall for the year. Watkins a 5.25 ERA not a strikeout guy. He's giving you right around six strikeouts per nine innings, and he's given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but last time he faced the race, gave up one run over the course of six innings, and the Orioles were able to get the win. Ever since then, he's given up four plus runs in every one of his starts, so that's a little bit of an issue, and with Mr. McClanahan, he has been able to do a tremendous job here with the Tampa Bay Rays. He has given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts, really since the beginning of the month of June. June 2nd gives up four runs in three and a third innings against the New York Yankees. Ever since then, he has delivered 11 straight starts of three runs for Fury. He's been able to keep the deep ball down, so that is great and he's able to throw 100 miles an hour. So, like I said, this is a spot in which I'd be taking the Orioles money line as long as it's a plus 225 or higher and then when it comes to the total I do think that both of these pitchers are going to give up a little bit of something as I want up setting the total at 8.8 so an 8.5 or lower going to be taking a look at the over 9 or higher are going to be taking a look at the under 971, 972 on the betting board. The LA Angels are going to be in the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers Tyreek Skubal is going to be going for the Tigers Shohei Otani is going to be on the bump for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves as pretty big favorites here. Anywhere team 139 and minus 150. Meanwhile with the Tigers it's anywhere between plus 129 and plus plus 1. 133, eight and a half is your total over Zenny between minus 115 and minus 120. The under any between even and 105. And for Tariq Skubal, it has been ups and downs for him so far this year. He has been giving up the deep ball with right around 2 home runs per 9 innings. And then you take a look at Shioi Itani. He wound up having a really rough start to begin the year, especially with walks. He was giving up right around 8 walks per 9 innings through his first 5 starts of the year, but you take a look at what he's been able to do ever since then and he's really been able to kick it into shape ever since the beginning of the month of July this is a guy that has made a grand total of 5 starts in that time span he's given up 4 walks so he's done a nice job of being able to keep that down. He's only given up 1 home run in his last 32 innings of work as well so he has really been in his best form recently and has a sub 2 ERA ever since the beginning of the month of July so I think that Otani is going to be able to give you a good start here and then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. Shockingly going into Tuesday this team has these Second-best bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break. You've got guys like Kyle Funkos or Gregory Soto, Ian Krull, Jose Cicerno. We're doing a great job. And then for the Angels, Rossio Iglesias has been able to do a great job out of the bullpen. You've had a young guy in Austin Warren be able to give you a couple innings, but Mike Myers is a guy that you really can't trust, and they want up putting on Tony Watson. This is a bunch that they're looking to guys like Jose Quijada and Jose Quijada to lend innings out of the bullpen, and then you take a look at this Angels lineup, and ever since the All-Star break, scoring the second fewest runs per game out there in the American League, meanwhile, the Detroit Tigers, they've actually been a top half of the league offense ever since the beginning of the month of July, but you take a look at this LA Angels team, you do need a couple of the younger guys like Brandon Marsh, Jack Mayfield, Joe Adele to get on a little bit more consistently with Mayfield. He does have 7 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of July, so to has been able to supply that. Jared Walsh has just been a little bit up and down wound up spending some time on the injured list. More than 20 home runs an inning right around 265, but has not been himself ever since the beginning of the month of July, Shohei Otani. He's been able to hit 39 home runs so far this year, but he's really slowed down with that aspect. I think that he's got 3 home runs over the last 21 days. So, he's in his biggest funk of the season. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Tigers, and you've got a trio of guys with between 18 and 21 home runs. Robbie Grossman, Eric Koss, you're able to throw in there Jonathan Scope as well. And for Scope, he's sitting right around 285 for the team. Jameer Candelario. 360 on base. Hero Castro has been able to hit a 270 now. Got a couple guys at the bottom of the fold like Willie Castro, Victor Reyes, Zach Short that they need to pick it up and Miguel Cabrera is on home run number 500 watch so that is something that you want to tune into. I do think that Joey Otani though ever since he wanted being able to cut down on the walks has become a more effective pitcher and I was willing to lay up to a minus 146 here with the Angels seeing this more around about a minus 140 in a lot of spots. I'm going to take a shot here on Joey Otani and I wound up saying this all at 8.7. I do think that both of these pitchers might wind up giving up a little bit of something and with the Angels. Bullpen is not necessarily too terrific either. So, taking the over along with the Angels. 973, 974 on the main board. The Texas Rangers are going to be playing to the Seattle Mariners. Monaco Gonzalez is going to be going for the M's. Meanwhile, Mike Fulton Avich is going to be on the bump for the Texas Rangers. Toronto's game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5, over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. On the 9, under is minus 110 to minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Mariners, getting them anywhere between minus 167 and minus 175, 7 plus price here on the Rangers is any 14 plus 150 and plus 158. Seeing a plus 163 out there as well with Fulton Avich. I would need a little bit more than that to take a shot on him as he's right now leading the majors in home run surrendered. He's giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. You take a look at him overall for the year. 2-11 record. He's given up 33 home runs so far this year. No other pitcher has given up more than 30. That is not a good sign now. He has been a little bit better at home. 4-43 home ERA, seven eleven road ERA. He's always given up runs over there. But still, 13 home runs surrendered in 67 innings in Arlington. A place that is supposed to be pitcher-friendly. Opponent's earning a 253 off of him. He's not necessarily backed up by a great bullpen. Joe Barlow has been able to give this team some good innings along with Spencer Penn. But you take a look at guys like... Josh Shorbich, Jarrell Kahn, Demarcus Evans. These guys have not been able to pull through. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, this is a bullpen that's actually relatively solid. You've been able to get some very good innings out of someone like a Paul Seawalt. I like what you've been able to get out of Casey Sadler as well. Whenever they use Kenan Middleton as something other than an opener, he's been relatively solid. And for Marco Gonzalez, he too has given up a lot of hard contact. 1.8 home runs and 2.9 walks per nine innings. Last year, he was given up right around like 1.1 walks per nine innings, but he has really shaped up recently. How about two runs or fewer given up in each out of his last 5 starts? two of them against the Texas Rangers, so he has seen the Rangers a lot as these two for some reason have just played each other quite a bit recently, but for Gonzalez, he's also given the team at least six innings in each out of their last three starts, so that has been solid, and you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, no doubt this is a team that they don't have a lot of guys that hit for average, but Mitch Haniger has been able to give you right around 260, he's been able to slug out 26 home runs, and Kyle Seager, though he's sitting a 220, has been able to give you right around 25 to 26 pounds of his own. but you take a look at he, Jake Fraley, Lewis Sorens, these guys Are in between A two fifteen and a two twenty five throwing their Jake Bowers as well. And then you've got guys like Cal Raleigh, Jared Kulnick so many others like Adele Moore. They're in below the Mendoza line of 200, but Abraham Toro sits so coming to Seattle, hitting right around 300, JP Crawford sitting at 270, and Ty France has been able to hit a 285. Then you take a look at the Texas Rangers, Adolis Garcia has been able to give you 26 home runs so far this year. He, along with Isaiah Kinera-Falefa, Nate Lowe, Charlie Culverson, all in between about a 245 and a 260, but then you take a look at it, DJ Peters, Jonah Heim, Andy Ibanez, so many of these guys that they've called up from the minor leagues have just not panned out. They're hitting a 220 or lower now. DJ Peters did have a pair of home runs in that series against the Oakland A's, but this is a Texas Rangers offense averaging right around two and a half runs per game ever since the All-Star break. That has been one of the worst marks that we've seen in baseball in a very long time. I do think that they're going to be able to get a little bit of something going off of Marco Gonzalez due to familiarity, and I just think that Mike Avich is going to get destroyed once again when it comes to the run line of the Seattle Mariners. I was willing to lay a price here. I'm seeing that right around anywhere team minus. 105, and minus 115. Was willing to lay up to about a minus 125, so I'm going to be taking a look at that. I also want to saying this all at 9.6, so going over a long-time Mariners run line. 975, 976 on the way where the Chicago White Sox are going to be playing us the Oakland A's. You've got Cole Irvin on the bump for the A's. Lance Lynn is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox find themselves between minus 170 and minus 173. Meanwhile, with the Oakland A's, any fourteen plus 150 and plus 160 is your price there. 8.5 is your total. On the 8.5, over is between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is any fourteen even at minus 105. Seeing some nines pop up as well the under on 9 is minus 120 and the over is even. Lance Lynn has been absolutely incredible at home. We were talking about this with our good buddy Andrew Cayley. Right around a 2 ERA at home. He's getting 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's really just been an absolute machine for this team. The White Sox have been able to win so many of his starts. They've won each out of his last 4. He did wind up giving up the 4 runs against the New York Yankees, but obviously a little bit of a strange circumstance there with that being the field of dreams game. Meanwhile, you take a look at Cole Irvin doing a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, Give it up right around .75 home runs. For nine innings. Now, he does allow opponents to make quite a bit of contact off of him as opponents are overall a 2.56 off of him, but on the road, he's given up three home runs and 12 walks and 62 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 3.30 road ERA, so he's been able to hold up there, and for the Oakland A's, ever since the All-Star break, they do have the best bullpen ERA in the big leagues. Andrew Chaffin, Jake Diekman, these guys have been able to come in and do a very solid job. AJ Puck has been tremendous ever since getting recalled. Sergio Romo as a sub-two ERA since the beginning of the month of June, but then you take a look at the White Sox. I know that Liam Hendricks, along with Craig Kimbrell have had their faults recently, but these guys, I think, are going to be able to find it. Jose Ruiz, Ryan Tapera, these guys are guys that you're able to trust in as well. And then when you take a look at the Chicago White Sox, the team was able to get ignited against Chris Bassett, who has really been solid for the team all year long. Eloy Jimenez, ever since coming off the injury list, he is heading north of a 325 for the team. He's been able to slug out six home runs in 17 games, so he certainly is back in full force. Cesar Hernandez, Jose Abreu are a pair of guys hitting between 20 and 21 home runs, with Abreu, he's been in the top five when it comes to RBI. Tim Anderson is hitting a 300 for this bunch. You've got Andrew Vaughn, who's been able to ride right around a 260. Along the way, Moncada is hitting more like a 250. For Vaughn 14 home runs, Moncada 370 on base. Then you take a look at the Oakland Ace. and you do have quite a few guys getting on base for you. Josh Harrison, Mark Canna, Matt Olson, along with Tony Kemp, all between a 360 and a 375 on base for Olson. 30 home runs so far this year. The Marte parte of Starling Marte hitting a 320 as well. Got a lot of balance power as well as Matt Chapman has now been able to give you 18 home runs. He's really been able to give you a little bit of something recently. He, Elvis Andrews, and Mitch Moreland need to kick it up with the batting average a little bit. They're all in between a 235 and a 225, but you take a look at the Oakland A's. Mark Canna's been able to give you right around 11-ish home runs, and here's just a list of the guys that have between I would say 10 and 15 home runs. You've got Marte, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, in Canna. Sean Murphy, you're able to throw in there. Jed Lowry and Seth Brown, so they've been able to do it up and down, but I take a look at Lance Lynn. I think that he's going to be able to give another dominant start. And if you're looking at the run line of the Chicago White Sox in this spot, you're going to be finding that anywhere between a plus 105 and a plus 115. That is something that I'm more than okay with with Lance Lynn and how he's been able to perform. I was willing to take it as long as I was pretty much getting any sort of a plus price. Also wound up setting this solo at 7.9 with how both of these pitchers have performed. So going under along with the White Sox on the run line. 977, 978 on the banking board. You got the Houston Astros sitting the road face off against the Kansas City Rust. Bramber Valdez goes for the Houston Astros. Meanwhile, Brady Singer on the bump for the Kansas City Royals. With the Royals, you're finding them anywhere between a plus 149 and a plus 153. Meanwhile, with the Astros, anywhere between minus 160 and minus 170. 9.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. For Granky, he has been able to do his best work on the road so far this year at home. He's been getting a little bit touched up, though, I will say. The deep ball is certainly hurting Zach Granke, and For Mr. Singer, this is someone that has spent quite a bit of time on the injured list this year so he has certainly had his ups and his downs there. Overall this year for Singer, 3-8 record, 542 ERA. Now, he's given up right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings, as we know. This is an Astros lineup that's able to mash, but when it comes to Singer, 553 ERA at home in 12 starts. He's only allowed one home run over the course of 55 and a third innings, but but put starting a 313 off of him. That's not necessarily what you want against an Astros team, that they are pretty much the tops in the league when it comes to not striking out. Meanwhile, I was mentioning Granky's home and road splits a little bit earlier. This is a guy that so far this year at home, he's got an ERA that's right around a four fifty eight. That strengths to a 241 on the road. 6-0 and in his 11 starts on the road so far this year. 71 innings. He has given up 11 home runs on the road, but that's much better than the 18 home runs in 72 and two-thirds innings that he's allowed in Houston. And opponents are in a 206 off of Granky whenever he's away from Houston. Now, you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, and you do have a couple guys that are able to get on base for you. You've got Whit Merrifield along Salvador Perez, Nicky Lopez, and Anser Alberto. All these guys are in between a 265, and you're able to find them as high as a 280. Now, Carlos Santana... Ever since the beginning of the month of July, right around a Mendoza line of 200 batting average, he has been able to give you 16 home runs. And for Paris, he has been able to do a great job of going yard. 30 home runs at 77 RBI going into yesterday. Andrew Benetendi has been able to hit right around at 250 for this team. Michael A. Taylor hitting more like at 245. But then you take a look at the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve hitting about at 275. 25 home runs for this bunch. Michael Brantley hitting at 330. L. is hitting above 300 along with Yuli Gurriel. Carlos Correa hitting at 270. 19 home runs. This team has been able to do this all with. Out Alex Bregman, but Chaz McCormick, he has stepped in very admirably, double-digit amount of formers sitting at 255. Then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, Jake Brents, along with Scott Barlow, have been able to give you some solid innings. Josh Sheaumont, it's been a little bit up and down, but you can tell that Greg Holland, Wade Davis, these guys are weathered. Meanwhile, for the Houston and answers, Pedro Baez has come off the list and by and large, has looked very solid ever since doing so. Yimi Garcia, Kendall Graveman they're able to give you some good innings. Now, Brooks Raley is not necessarily a guy that you want to be trusting him, but Ryan Presley has been able to give you good innings all year long. I do think that this is a spot much Zach Greinke is going to be able to continue his success on the road, and if you're looking at the run line of the Houston Astros, pretty much across the board, you're finding it at minus 110. I was willing to take this run line at more like a minus 125, so I'm going to be signed up for that. I do think that Greinke is going to give up a little bit of our contact, and I think that Singer is due to give up some home runs as well, so set this all at 10.2, so we're going over along with the Houston Astros on the run line and we wrap things up with 979-980 on the banging board. The Washington Nationals are going to be playing those the Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Blue Jays. Meanwhile, you've got Josiah Gray, who's going to be on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Nationals are finding themselves as underdogs here. And between a plus 153 and a plus 158. Meanwhile, with the Blue Jays, that is any work between minus 163 and minus 189 is your total. Over Zenny work between minus 110 and minus 120. Under Zenny work between even at minus 110. I wound up saying this on a 9.3 because with the Nationals, ever since they wound up hitting the trade deadline, they actually have been able to do a solid job on offense. You've got a guy in Juan Soto who's got north of 400 on base. He and Josh Bell both want up going into yesterday, having given you 19 home runs so far this season, and for Bell, he's hitting more like a 245-ish. You've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with their batting averages. You've got Luis Garcia, Adams, their new catcher along with Victor Robles, all in a 215 or lower, but Yaniel Hernandez is hitting a 300, Carter Keyboom along with LCD's Escobar, in between a 265 and a 275, so been able to get a little bit of something there. Then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, and this lineup has been absolutely terrific. Marcus Simeon, north of 25 home runs so far this year, he's hitting a two seventy. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Dickerson, ever since he got integrated into the fold, he's been able to do a solid job. Randall Gritchick has been able to give you 20 bombs. He's hitting at 250. Even a guy like a Reese McGuire at the catcher spot has been solid. Flagler Jr., north of 30 home runs, 315 batting average. Boba Shedd has been able to hit about a 285. he He's got 20 home runs. Teoscar Hernandez, 20 home runs, hitting nearly a 300 list goes on and on with his team now. We were talking about it with Andrew Cayley that you've got George Springer's now on the shelf, but still, you've got more than enough bats to be able to compensate for that. Then you take a look at the Blue Jays' bullpen Adam Simber has been very solid for them. Now, you do need to get a couple more innings out of guys like Brad Hand and company. Hand has been a little bit shaky for this bunch, but Trevor Richards is someone that I do like Kirby Snead. I think is going to be able to come in and hold down the fort. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals. Kyle Finnegan has actually been very good out of the bullpen for this team. You've been able to get some good innings out of Ryan Harper as well. Gabe Klobatis ever since coming up to the big leagues has been okay. Had a rude awakening, but has been able to settle in. But then you take a look at Josiah Gray. It's been up and down for him. He's made three starts ever since getting traded to Washington and he's given up three runs or fewer in every one of them. Team is just one and two and those starts were against the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves twice, but the problem is as well he has given up a whole bunch of solo home runs as well. He has given up Five total earned runs, and he's given up five home runs in those starts, so that's a little bit of an issue. Good swing and miss stuff. A guy that's giving you a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but I think that the deep ball is really going to hurt him, and for Jose Barrios, this is someone that he's giving up less than a home run per nine innings. His home and road splits were very demonstrative when he was in Minnesota his first couple years. He did a great job of being able to reign those in. He still has right around a 430 ERA whenever he's been in road games so far this year, but it's much better than it used to be. He's given up eight home runs in 63 innings whenever he's been away from both Minnesota and in Toronto, so by and large, relatively solid and I think that the Blue Jays should be able to get a convincing win here against the Nationals team that they wound up going into yesterday 1-12 and in, in their last 13 games. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Blue Jays, I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 120 in this spot seeing it anywhere between a minus 105 and a minus 110. Sign me up for that. I also wound up saying this hole at 9.3, so I'm going to be taking the over. And that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Wednesday. A big thanks to Andrew Kaley of Covers for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, if you're able to subscribe wherever you podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you got one of two ways we help fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline. at yours41. Keep in mind letters ZM. Amy does not matter, so as per usual send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in there whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into the comments section of that. And I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.